Hey there. Welcome back to this week's episode of The Emily Show. And a quick warning. Today we're talking about literally all the things because the state of California is suing Activision and Blizzard for, well, a frat bro culture workplace environment. This is not new in the gaming industry. I'm going to break down a little bit of the history here and this particular lawsuit. There are Yeah, there are some pretty staggering facts alleged in this lawsuit based on the uh, Department of Fair Housing's investigation into this company. And we'll get back into um, kind of what that investigation entailed. But some of the examples that they give are traumatic um, and involve things like, well, severe sexual harassment and self-harm. So just be aware that we are going to be talking about those topics today so that you can choose if this is the right episode for you. But I think it's an important conversation to have because male-dominated industries replete with sexual harassment um, need to be discussed and continue to be discussed. And the state taking action on this, this is not women who have been run out of this company. This is actually an entity of the state of California taking action here. And that's uh, not normally the way we see these things go down. So we just need to get into it today. We just need to do that. Let's just, let's just get into it. Let's do that. Hey there. Welcome to The Emily Show. I'm your host, Emily D. Baker, badass lawyer and everyone's favorite legal commentator, breaking down the legal shit in the news and pop culture stories you want to talk about. I've been a licensed attorney for over 15 years. I'm a former prosecutor and I'm a big fan of the cursey words. So let's break it down. Before we get all the way into it, just by way of a reminder, our summer collection is still up in the Law Nerd Shop over at lawnerdshop.com. You can go check that out. It's for all of the Law Nerd merch, the fax mugs, the fax hat, and the summer stuff is still up for just a little bit while longer before it gets tucked away until next summer. Back into the vault if you will. So if you have not checked out the summer collection, please go do that. Some of the pride collection that was not limited edition is still up as well. And that will be coming back down because we are almost at the end of summer. It's the end of July. We're at episode 95 today, and we are at the end of July. It's staggering to me that we are going to be crossing into a hundred episodes soon. If you have not left a comment or a review of the podcast over on Apple Podcasts. If you listen on the audio, please go do that. It's very much appreciated. And we're going to get into a quote, you know, to start today's episode. (laughs) This quote comes from Kiza McDonald, a video games editor with The Guardian. There is a 2018 article that she wrote about the Me Too movement and the gaming industry talking about, um, really what might come in the gaming industry because it was, you know, it was, is a male dominated industry and is kind of due for a reckoning, if you will, with some of the behavior. And we're starting to see that in this lawsuit. Perhaps one of the things she said in that article was really telling to me. And that's the quote I pulled for today's episode. What she said was, why does it feel like the games industry is only interested in what women have to say when it's about their trauma? And that is a poignant note as we get into everything that's being dug up in this lawsuit and everything we're going to talk about as we get into this lawsuit, because it really feels like a lot of women spoke up inside of Activision and were not heard and that there was not trust between the women and the HR department where a lot of these things should have been addressed and weren't. By way of some quick uh, statistics, in a recent Forbes article, they talked about the workforce perspective for gaming Keeping in mind that in 2020, women accounted for 41% of gamers in the United States. But in a 2020 study out of the top 14 global gaming companies, only 84% of the executives of those companies were held by men. 
outside of the executive ranks, only 24% of those working in the industry are women, which is quite out of step with the, um, the consumer base really of a whole and the population, you know, of the world as a whole. It is not, we are not 24% women. So women are definitely not being represented in the workforce, in the gaming industry, and definitely not in the executive positions in the global gaming industry. Female representation is still a problem, the article goes on to say, and states that for those already working in the industry, their gender may work against them, according to a 2015 gender balance workforce survey reported by The Guardian amongst women working in the UK gaming industry. 45% felt that their gender was a limiting factor in their career progression. In the same survey, 33% noted that they had experienced direct harassment or bullying because of their gender. And that is not just within the workforce, that is within the gaming spaces, particularly in the online multiplayer gaming spaces. There is a 2020 study done by the Anti-Defamation League or the ADL that went really in-depth, and it will all be linked below because I think it's absolutely necessary to go look at if you're interested in kind of the entire context of this lawsuit, because the allegations in this lawsuit are against Activision, but this is not just an Activision issue. This is a larger industry issue in not just the gaming industry as it's hiring, but in the gaming industry and the online gameplay space. And this extends to online gameplay live streaming platforms, uh, which isn't touched on in this lawsuit, and I'm not going to touch into a ton today, but female gamers are subject to harassment differently than their male counterparts on streaming sites like Twitch. So that also needs to be said and acknowledged, and that the statistics in the ADL study kind of get into that, but it doesn't focus particularly on streamers, but it does talk about online multiplayer gameplay. And in that article, they said that 81% of players in the U.S. had their online multiplayer game experience shaped by harassment in some way in 2020, and that 41% of female multiplayer gamers were harassed based on their gender. And out of all of the categories that they looked at, because they found that categorical harassment based on your, your gender, your identity, sexual orientation or identity, your um, religion, your race, that those kinds of categorical harassment were the most common form of harassment. And that of all the categories they looked at, women received the largest, the largest share of that harassment. So we're going to look at the report real quick and some of the statistics that they found. And then we're going to look at what their report said about sexual harassment in gaming as a whole, and then get into this lawsuit. So that that's the plan. And if you're listening to the audio only, these things are pulled up on the screen on the YouTube version. Um, and if you're on the YouTube version, hi, you can see me. We're on the YouTube version together. So in talking about harassment by kind of category, by identity, they broke down of those surveyed who reported the most harassment. Women reported harassment at 41% of those surveyed. Uh, members of the LGBTQ community reported harassment 37%. Uh, African Americans reported 31%. Well, 31% of those responding to the survey reported experiencing harassment in multiplayer online games, Hispanic and Latinx at 30%, Asian Americans at 26%, Muslims at 25%, uh, those who had some form of disability at 25%, and those who were Jewish at 18%. And they also categorized the type of harassment and in their study compared it to the 2019 statistics. Of note, 2020, I imagine that there was a rise in online gameplay given the pandemic and stay-at-home orders and lockdowns and all of that into consideration. So some of these numbers may have increased because of the increase in gameplay overall, um, not that harassment itself was getting worse. But when they talked about and asked questions about this, they found that any harassment um, at, of any kind was at 81%. Called offensive names was reported at 70%. Severely harassed was reported at 68%. And again, these are more defined within the article that's linked if you want to go look at it. 
um, targeted by trolling and griefing is at 60%. Griefing is a whole game thing, but um, it's a... It's a more targeted harassment with trolling and griefing, and it can be targeted harassment inside the game. Personally embarrassed at 55%, discriminated against at 53%, physically threatened at 51%, sustained harassment at 48%, stalked at 44%, sexually harassed at 41%, doxed at 13%, and swatted at 12%. And I've talked in my content about both doxing and swatting, doxing being outing your personal identifying information, such as if you play by a gamer hashtag, then the name connected to the gamer hashtag, your real world IRL identity, but also it can be releasing your phone number, releasing your private or personal social media handles that are not known, releasing your home address and things like that. So taking, taking offline into real life and then swatting, we've discussed with regards to Jojo Siwa, but this is something that is tremendously dangerous, illegal, and hugely problematic when, you know, particularly a streamer is streaming and someone will call in some type of a threat in order to elicit the response of a SWAT team breaking down a person's door and going into their house. Um, more than a few people have been killed due to SWATing incidents, and these are fake reports to try to get a SWAT team to um, interrupt in this case, gameplay, but this happens in other areas of live streaming as well. This report also broke down the different types of games and what types of games had the most um, harassment and uh, Dota 2, Valorant, Rocket League, Grand Theft Auto, Call of Duty all kind of rank up at the top in the middle, Counter-Strike, Fortnite, League of Legends, Hearthstone, and then down towards the bottom is Minecraft, Roblox, Overwatch, and Animal Crossing. The report also looked at games industry trends with regards to societal movements. Um, they take a look at the information that was going on in online gamings with regard to not just players' experiences in online games during uh, George Floyd's death and the subsequent uh, riots that happened after that and the movement that was happening after that, but also looking at Me Too. And they looked at that not just from what the game industry was doing, but how gamers online were experiencing those things and what the conversations were around them. And when they talk about Me Too, they talk about um, a number of female streamers that have come forward about experience with sexual abuse. And they also talk about misogyny in the gaming industry and in online gaming communities, saying that widespread harassment has been reported at major game studios before. In 2018, an in-depth investigation into Riot Games made public its sexist culture, which led to Riot vowing to transform its workplace. Stories of sexual harassment and misogyny in the games industry, the appearance of similar behaviors in online game environments created and maintained by these companies, and the subsequent actions taken by game companies are thus worth considering in terms of the results of this survey. So it's not just the companies and the culture of the companies. It's also prevailing into the culture of online gaming. And I think part of the question that has to be asked is if the companies have a pervasive culture of sexual harassment um, and sexual discrimination, how can we then expect the executives that aren't dealing with this in their workplaces that aren't protecting their employees to protect online consumers? Like if you're not doing it in your own home, how do we trust you to do it in the gaming space as a whole? And that some of the articles I looked into really put a point on that as I was looking for a little bit more background getting into this Activision Blizzard lawsuit, which look, I segued is what we're going to get into now. The lawsuit filed by the Department of Fair Employment and Housing for the state of California against Activision Blizzard Inc., Blizzard Entertainment Inc., Activision Publishing Inc., and Doe's 1 through 10 is a Civil Rights and Equal Pay Act complaint for injunctive and monetary relief and damages. Because this is different than an individual bringing a lawsuit, this is an enforcement agency with 
prosecutorial powers through the state of California bringing a action based on civil claims versus the state using its authority to bring claims in a criminal fashion. So this is a civil enforcement action against Activision and Blizzard. And as we go through this, you'll see a little bit of the history of what Activision has tried or what Activision uh, has done with working with the Department of Fair Employment and Housing, because it's not like they just decided to sue. They didn't wake up one day and go, I think we'll sue Activision today. This has been a years-long process with working with Activision, trying to mediate this case, investigating them, and then ultimately bringing this lawsuit on July 20th. The introduction of the suit starts with headquartered in California since the 1970s, where the nation's strongest anti-harassment, equal pay, and other equal employment opportunity protections exist for employees. Defendants should be a safe haven workplace in the video game industry. Sexism has plagued the male-dominated gaming industry for decades and increasingly so in recent years. Women and girls now make up almost half of gamers in America, but the game industry continues to cater to men, even in California. Activision Blizzard's double-digit percent growth, 10-figure annual revenues, and recent diversity marketing campaigns have unfortunately changed little. Defendants' compliance with California's broad workplace protections are long overdue. To enforce such compliance, DFEA brings this government enforcement actions seeking to remedy, prevent, and deter defendants' violations of the state's civil rights and equal pay laws to vindicate the rights of defendants' female employees and the public interest of the state of California. Activision Blizzard is headquartered in Santa Monica, California. It is one of the largest American video game developers and distributors with among 9,500 employees and over 100 million players worldwide. It is considered a leading gaming platform in the Western world, and it is a member of the Fortune 500 and S&P 500. Activision Blizzard conducts business through its subsidiaries, Blizzard Entertainment, King Digital Entertainment, Activision Publishing, among others. And they operate global esports organizations, Overwatch League, Call of Duty League. The video game franchise Call of Duty is Activision's publishing's key product. Blizzard Entertainment maintains the online gaming service Battle.net, which includes key franchises such as World of Warcraft, Diablo, and Overwatch. So that is kind of the the run up on this, a, a little pat on the back from the state of California to itself saying we have the strongest anti-harassment and equal pay and equal opportunity protections for employees. They then talk about in their footnote, California actually having stronger protections than the federal laws allow for, and that... Um, you know, that has been acknowledged in different, not only legal writings, but other lawsuits. And again, federal laws are a baseline. States can be more restrictive, but states can't be least restrictive. So states can have more protections on a law on top of the federal law, but they can't have less than what the federal law says. So the federal laws can be a baseline or a jumping off point, if you will. They also cite a number of articles and link them talking about Gamergate, why women are being threatened about video games, women in gaming speaking out about sexism and harassment, and other articles that they linked. An article called hashtag E2, fighting back against sexual harassment in esports gaming. It's a 2020 article. So they have quite a lot um, linked in this lawsuit, and I will link those articles in the description box and show notes as well, if you want it, because they're not hyperlinked in my copy of this complaint. So I will make it easy for you. The complaint goes on to say, unlike its uh, customer base of increasingly diverse players, defendant Activision Blizzard's workforce is only about 20% women. Its top leadership is also exclusively male and white. They then go on to say the CEO and president roles are now and always have been held by white men. Very few women ever reach the top roles in the company. The women who do reach higher roles earn less salary, incentive pay, and total compensation than their male peers as evidence in defendants' own records. And they footnote the records showing the compensation for the CEO over $1.4 million and then showing uh, the total kind of CEO package, which 
I don't know if this is a typo or not, but it looks like it says their total package for 2020 was 154 million, which seems wild to me because it shows for 2018 their total compensation package was 30 million and then in 2019 30 million. So going up to 154 million seems like a lot to me. I have questions, but that's total compensation package and that can include things like stock options and ownership parts in the company and something could have changed there, but their salary was $1.49 million. The uh, chief advisor and former chief financial officer, Dennis Durkin, but in my brain, it looks like Duncan and it's hard to read Durkin, not Duncan. Anyway, $906,000. Daniel Algier is the president and COO at over a million dollars in compensation. The chief people officer is Claudine at $655,000, up from a 2019 salary of $250,000. And then there is a last individual listed being compensated at the $850,000 range as the chief legal officer. So that is the kind of breakdown that they footnoted with the kind of top executives and their pay. They go on to say, and again, lawsuits, lawsuits are allegations and shade, right? I've been saying this a lot on YouTube, but lawsuits are written in a way to not only paint the other party in a particular light, bad, in a bad light, want to make them look shitty, but also to lay out the causes of action and to put in all of the details saying, this is why they suck. See, I'm telling you that they suck. And this is why they go on to say that like the executive ranks, women across the company are assigned to lower paid and lower opportunity levels. Female employees receive lower starting pay and also earn less than male employees for substantially similar work. The substantially similar work being a particular legal term saying that that is the discriminatory part. You cannot pay someone less based on gender for substantially similar work. Where you could pay people differently is like you could pay the, you know, case assistant different than the chief legal officer. It doesn't matter their gender, but for the same role and same substantially similar work, pay cannot be disparate based on gender. There are other things, but for this suit, we're focusing on gender. Defendants promote women more slowly and terminate them more quickly than their male counterparts. They say faced with such adverse terms and conditions of employment, many women have been forced to leave the company. They allege that defendants have fostered a pervasive, quote, frat boy workplace culture that continues to thrive. And then they get into some of the details of that. In the office, they say women are subjected to, quote, cube crawls, like cubicle crawls, like a pub crawl, but a cubicle crawl in which male employees drink copious amounts of alcohol as they, quote, crawl their way through various cubicles in the office and often engage in inappropriate behavior towards female employees. Male employees proudly come into work hungover, play video games for long periods of time during work while delegating their responsibility to female employees, engage in banter about their sexual encounters, talk openly about female bodies, and joke about rape. They go on to allege that, unsurprisingly, defendants, quote, frat boy culture is a breeding ground for harassment and discrimination against women. Female employees are subject to constant sexual harassment, including having to continually fend off unwanted sexual comments and advances by their male coworkers and supervisors and being groped at the, quote, cube crawls and other company events. They go on to say, High-ranking executives and creators engaged in blatant sexual harassment without repercussions in a particularly tragic example. Warning, there are more details about this down below too, and we will get into it again. Um, Yeah, warning, warning. In a particularly tragic example, a female employee committed suicide during a business trip with a male supervisor who had brought butt plugs and lubricant with him on the trip. Later in this lawsuit, it breaks down that she had been having a sexual relationship with that supervisor amongst other harassment that that individual had sustained uh, at the company before she took her life. Defendants continually condone the quid pro quo and hostile work environment. The message is not lost on their employees. They go on to say that numerous complaints about unlawful harassment, discrimination, and retaliation were made to defendants' human resources personnel and executives including to Blizzard Entertainment's president, J. Allen Barak. 
but defendants failed to take effective remedial measures in response to these complaints. Employees were further discouraged from complaining as human resources personnel were known to be close to the alleged harassers, which is a huge problem when your HR team is buddies with the people that you're complaining about. How safe do you feel going to HR then and saying, hey, this is what's going on when you feel like HR is not there for you. HR is there to protect the company and effectively silence you, which it seems like they are alluding to in this. They say that an internal investigation into the human resource unit noted that there was a, quote, big lack of trust and that, quote, HR not held in high regard. Unsurprisingly, employees' complaints were treated in a perfunctory and dismissive manner and not kept confidential. Can you imagine going to HR? I'm sure a lot of you can, which is the fucking problem. Going to HR about a complaint and then having everyone know about your complaint to HR. That also happened, it seems, in the Dave Ramsey employment lawsuit that the uh, statements to HR and the conversation between HR and supervisors were not kept confidential. As a result of these complaints, female employees were subjected to retaliation, which is illegal, including but not limited to being deprived of work on projects, unwillingly transferred to different units, and selected for layoffs. Per uh, plaintiff, Department of Fair Housing, well, and employment, (laughs) DFEA, An agency for the state of California brings this enforcement action against defendants in its prosecutorial role, seeking relief in the public interest for the state and defendants' female employees, pursuant to the authority vested in DFEA under FEHA, the Federal Equal Employment and Housing Act, Government Code Section 12900-SEC, and related laws, DFEH's, I'm going to keep saying DFEA, I don't mean DFEA, DFEH's Enforcement action seeks to remedy, prevent, and deter unlawful harassment, retaliation, discrimination. Specifically, the violations pled herein include claims for sex discrimination in terms and condition of employment, including compensation, assignment, promotion, constructive discharge, termination, unlawful sexual harassment, retaliation, failure to prevent discrimination, harassment, and retaliation, and unequal pay. It breaks down the parties. We know who the Department of Fair Employment and Housing is, DFEH, a state agency tasked with investigating and prosecuting civil actions. They state they're standing for their authority to bring this lawsuit that is repeatedly stated within. It's an authority granted by the government code. They also then list out who the other parties are. Activision Blizzard being the umbrella corporation and then the other defendants being their subsidiary companies because they're employees that are employed by Blizzard, employees that are employed by like Activision Publishing, but those are all under Activision Blizzard Inc. And I will shorthand that generally as Activision unless it's stated otherwise in the complaint. They talk about the procedural history and jurisdiction. We're not going to get into jurisdiction and venue much. Why? Well, because it's a California enforcement agency and a California-based company that's headquartered in California, even though it is a Delaware corporation, they are operating out of California. Jurisdiction isn't going to be an issue here. And then they talk about their procedural history, which is actually quite interesting. DF. EH's director in his or her discretion may file a complaint on behalf of a group or class. Pursuant to this authority, the director, Kevin Kish, filed and served a complaint of group or systematic investigation at director's complaint for group and class relief against Blizzard on October 12th, 2018. On October 29th, 2018, an amended director's complaint was filed and served to add Activision Blizzard Inc. On December 7th, 2018, a second amended director's complaint was filed and served to add Activision Publishing. So that brings all of these defendants under that 2018 complaint that was served and filed. And that was not a suit filed in court like this. That was an enforcement action within the department. The director's complaints alleged that the defendants engaged in discrimination against their employees on the basis of sex 
gender, including failing to hire, select, or employ persons because of their sex, as well as discrimination in compensation or in the terms, conditions, privileges of employment due to their sex. The director's complaints further allege that defendants failed to take all reasonable steps to prevent unlawful discrimination, harassment, retaliation. They then go on to, to, to share that after more than two years of investigation, they issued a cause finding on June 24th, 2021. In the course of their investigation, they found that defendants discriminated against female employees in terms and conditions of employment, including all the things we've listed, compensation, assignment, promotion. Their investigation found that female employees were subject to sexual harassment. They found that defendants failed to take reasonable steps to prevent unlawful discrimination, harassment, or retaliation. And they further found that defendants had committed violations of Labor Code 1197.5 in paying female employees less than their male counterparts for substantially similar work. And then those are now the claims in this lawsuit. So they did the initial director's complaint and investigation and then brought this to um, a finding in June of 2021. After they made that finding, they attempted they allege in this, attempted to resolve this matter without litigation. Prior to filing this civil action, the DFEH required all parties to participate in mandatory dispute resolution in the department's internal dispute resolution division, free of charge to the parties in an effort to resolve this dispute without litigation. They invited defendants to participate in mediation sessions with the department's internal dispute resolutions division on July 1st, 2nd, and 15th, but the parties were unable to resolve the complaints. Hmm. And that is why we are here. So they laid out their procedural history that they went through all the steps needed by their department to bring this action as a full ass lawsuit because they went through the internal, uh, you know, procedures. They went through their internal dispute resolution. They made their internal findings after investigation and are now bringing this suit. So this is coming after two years of investigation into Activision Blizzard by DFEH. As we get into the factual allegations in this case, these are not pled the same way you would see in a civil complaint. You don't see a lot of dates and times. These are their findings that they made out of their investigation. So it's not listed with particularity. I'm sure that will come up as this goes further in litigation, or now that they've actually filed a suit and put Activision publicly on blast, maybe they will be able to now mediate and resolve this suit where they couldn't before. Who knows? The publicity this game might go a long way towards settling this suit. Isn't it weird how that happens sometimes? The factual allegations for the first cause of action, and they broke them down by the causes of action that they will then plead. So when you hear me breaking them down by cause, these will correlate to the later causes of action and actual violations of the law that they are alleging in this complaint. The first one being sex discrimination based on pay, assignment, promotion, termination, and constructive discharge, meaning essentially you're treating female employees differently by giving them different assignments, different pay, different promotional opportunities, et cetera. They say that the uh, discriminatory practices begin at higher when women were offered lower compensation, less lucrative job assignments, and opportunities than their male counterparts. Defendants paid female employees significantly less in starting pay than their male counterparts at higher this pattern of practice and violations were continuing, meaning continuing through their period. The pay disparity continued through employment for female employees. Defendants paid female employees significantly less than their male counterparts after hire. Women were afforded less stock and incentive pay opportunities. Female employees were overwhelmingly assigned into lower grades or levels without stock and incentive pay opportunities or less opportunities. They received less stock and incentive compensation, the males, and it was a pattern or practice they're alleging that were continuing. They say that women were steered into lower levels of the hierarchy and often had to work harder and longer to earn equal promotional and or other opportunities as their male counterparts. They go on to list a few examples. As by way of example, a female employee working for Blizzard Entertainment was assigned to a lower level role, denied equal pay, and subsequently sought a promotion 
because she had been carrying out duties exceeding her job description. She was repeatedly told that it was not her turn and that others deserved a promotion ahead of her. Ultimately, the employee was promoted after three years while her male counterpart was promoted within a year of his hire, despite having started several months after her. Her male counterpart was also assigned leadership responsibilities, which she was not afforded. Responsibilities which furthered the male employee's ability to get promoted. So even after three years when she was promoted, not being given the same oversight and um, supervisory duties and leadership roles, meaning further promotions would also then be hindered. In another example, they say a female employee working at Blizzard Entertainment was assigned a lower level denied equal pay and passed over for promotion despite multiple factors, suggesting she earned it, including one, high-rated performance reviews, two, she generated significantly more revenue in her marketing campaigns than her male counterpart, three, she ran almost twice as many campaigns as her male counterpart. Despite her accomplishments, her male counterpart was invited to have monthly or weekly one-to-one meetings with the vice president. She was not afforded these same opportunities and unsurprisingly was passed over for promotion in favor of her male counterpart. So despite her job performance, the male counterpart was able to have that one-on-one kind of mentoring is what I'm reading into this, but that's my supposition, um, mentoring relationship with the vice president. And then shocking, who does the vice president, who's promoted? The person who's had that relationship. They say that other female employees at Blizzard were assigned to lower level roles, denied equal pay, and further delayed or passed over for promotions. And saying that a um, newly promoted male supervisor delegated his responsibilities to his now female subordinates in favor of playing Call of Duty. Other male supervisors would refuse to communicate with female employees, going to their male counterparts for information. I have thoughts on this. The amount of times. I have seen this happen to female attorneys where opposing counsel dude will end route female attorney and go to one of her male colleagues to either have the male colleague talk some sense into her or to just try to communicate with someone behind her back as if she was not the attorney assigned to a case or the attorney dealing with that attorney. It's not just something that happens in gaming. And I'm sure you have examples in your mind of you and your friends work as well, where you've been end routed because someone else just didn't want to deal with you, whether it be because of your your gender or your sexual orientation or your race. I mean, a lot of us have these examples in life where it's like, oh, oh, you thought you could just go talk to them and I wouldn't find out. Okay, uh, fuck you. That's not going to work out so well. Oftentimes with lawyers, though, when you're dealing with opposing counsel, they aren't in charge of your promotions. They aren't in charge of how you advance. But for, you know, law is the example I go to because it's where I work. For associates who get end routed by partners, it can affect your promotion. And this is, it's it's part of discrimination when it's like, oh, I'm more comfortable talking to this person that looks like me, or I want to talk to this person that that is exactly the same as me, or I don't want to talk to that other person because they're this. These kinds of biases in the workplace are so problematic because I think there are times that the person who's doing it doesn't even see their own internal bias, doesn't see that they are not they are choosing to not talk to the female employee and go around her and talk to the male employee. It's just so, so problematic. But then if you can't complain about it and have it fixed, what do you do as the employee? Well, here here we are with the state of California stepping in and saying, right, um, there's not much you can do. So we're stepping in on your behalf because we don't even think this is going to get fixed. And It shouldn't be on the women to have to leave their jobs, leave their industry, and then sue to change it all too often. That's what ends up needing to happen. But the women who leave their industries and bring those lawsuits often get completely blackballed out of their industry um, for being those people, you know, and causing problems. A lot choose to just try to work within the system and move forward. And that can be very difficult as well. Continuing on with this lawsuit and the examples that they have put forward, they have talked about this happening at co-defendant Activision Publishing as well. 
They uh, bring by way of example that female employees were also not promoted because of defendants' discriminatory practices against pregnant female employees. A female employee working on one game team had assumed some of the responsibilities of a manager, but when she asked her male supervisor about being fairly paid for the work she was actually doing and promoted into that position, you know, I'm working as a de facto manager, maybe promote me to manager. The manager commented that they could not risk promoting her as she might get pregnant and like being a mom too much. Let's let's not make women choose between being a mom and having a job. You can do both. This is starting to play out at the Olympics right now with uh, breastfeeding athletes and the COVID restrictions in Japan. But look, look, at some point, if we want to have, you know, humanity continue moving forward, women will continue having babies if they choose to. But you, we should want women who are mothers in the workforce, just like we want men who are fathers in the workforce, just like we want people who don't have children in the workforce. We need a broad and diverse workforce because we need broad and diverse input and opinions and perspectives and running women out of managerial positions because they might get pregnant is so fucking illegally discriminatory. And, and you know what? Stop assuming that all women want to get pregnant just because she might have a vagina doesn't mean she wants to get pregnant with it. <sighs> Stop assuming that she has a uterus that she wants to have a baby in. Cause you know what? Not all women do have uteruses and not all women want to have children and making those assumptions about someone and not promoting them is hugely fucking problematic. Stop it. That's why it's illegal. You can't actually, you can't do that. This whole lawsuit makes me mad. It's just so many assumptions. And, and so what, so what if women want to have kids? So what if they don't let, that's not a consideration in the workforce. And all too often it is because it's like, well, if I hire you and then you get pregnant and then you do this, stop assuming. We, we it, it, the, the whole, I could go on forever. I'm, I'm aggravated and frustrated and I will try not to just rant, but the way our system in the U S works and the push pull with work and maternity leave and taking time off to be with children, it's just so unhealthy for everyone. Women need to be off to raise their children. Let them. Some women want to get back to work as fast as possible. Let them. Let's just let people make the decision that's best for them. Let's just do that. Can we do that more? Just trust people to make the decisions that are best for them and then support them in that. How about that? How about that? How about we just trust people to do what's in their own best interest? you know, and then to tell you about it when you need to know if you're their employer. <sighs> Go continue, continuing on. They continue to allege that in general, female employees were further treated negatively due to their pregnancies. Supervisors ignored medical restrictions given to female employees and gave them negative evaluations while they were out on maternity leave. Fucking hell. Well, they're not performing their work duties. They're on maternity leave, not the same. And I, I feel free to reach out if this has been you too. We all, we all know people who have experienced this. It's awful. They say that other female employees reported that they were criticized for leaving to pick up their children from daycare while their male counterparts were playing video games and female employees were kicked out of lactation rooms so employees could use the room for meetings. Also, you can't do that. There's protections. Um, for that, but let's, let's not, let's not criticize. Oh, you have to leave. Hmm. Where do you have to be? The one thing is that most of the supervisors I worked for at the DA's office were very, very family oriented and did not treat in my perspective. And this does not discount anyone else's experience because the County is very large and there are lots of supervisors. And at any given time as a DA, you might have five different bosses, if not more, because you've got your like calendar deputy, <laughs> you got, you got your, you know, head deputy, your assistant head deputy, like you might have multiple different supervisors, but most, um, if, if, it didn't matter the gender of the employee that was like, hey, my kids got this. I got to go. So 
though there was internalized pressure, I think, and there was a lot of internal pressure and sometimes pressure from judges, like you can't miss court. You've got these things that conflict, but there was also internal pressure. I think a lot of us put on ourselves to like work like we don't have children and pretend that it's fine. Um, and I think employment situations like this really put that on a lot of us. Instead of ranting, I'm going to continue. I'm going to continue breaking down this lawsuit. They go on to say that women of color were particularly vulnerable targets of defendants' discriminatory practices. An African-American employee noted that it took her two years to be made into a permanent employee while men hired after her were made permanent employees. She also was micromanaged such that her male coworkers were known to be playing video games without any in intervention by her supervisor, but her supervisor would call and check on her if she took a break to go on a walk. Another African-American employee who worked on information technology was similarly micromanaged by her manager, unlike the men on her team. When she requested time off of work, her manager made her write a one-page summary of how she would spend the time off of work when no one else had to do a write-up. It's time off. Who the fuck cares what people are doing on their time off? They've requested time off. Give them their time off or don't give them their time off, but don't be like, what are you going to do on your time off? Well, I'm going to take long baths and drink to escape the horrors of working here. Emily supposition. The male supervisor also criticized her body language despite male counterparts slouching in meetings, and she was scolded for asking for assistance while others could get help on similar tasks without the same criticism. These experiences led female employees to leave their employment with defendants. Well, no shit. No shit it did. To be micromanaged and criticized when the bro team and the bro squad didn't have to deal with the same things is just, it just reads like it is just wrapped up in negative stereotypes about black women. And it's just so unfair to treat employees like, well, how are you going to use your time? And, you know, what's up with your body language? And, you know, oh, why can't you just handle it? Criticizing people for asking for help? Come on. They then go on to say that women complained to human resources personnel about the lack of equal employment opportunities and, you know, especially in the comparison to their male counterparts, but the complaints fell on deaf ears or were met with an empty promise to investigate the issue. Indeed, despite having retained Paul Hastings LLP from 2015 to 2017 and Miller Law Group in 2018 to allegedly provide analysis related to compensation data, defendants failed to take effective and reasonable steps to prevent pay discrimination as the pay disparity between male and female employees was not remedied and continued. They then go on to talk about sexual harassment. Warning, warning, we're talking about sexual harassment. They say female employees almost universally confirmed that working for defendants was akin to working in a frat house, which invariably involved male employees drinking and subjecting female employees to sexual harassment with no repercussions. They then talk about the club crawls that were mentioned earlier. They talk about the frat boy culture that was mentioned earlier. A female employee noted that random male employees would approach her on defendant's work site and comment on her breasts. Female employees working on the World of Warcraft team noted that male employees and supervisors would hit on them, make derogatory comments about rape, and otherwise engage in demeaning behavior. This behavior was known to supervisors and indeed encouraged by them including a male supervisor openly encouraging a male subordinate to, quote, buy a prostitute to cure his bad mood. Imagine that workplace. Just, just. In a blatant example of defendant's refusal to deal with a harasser because of his seniority and position, they actually name the former senior creative director of World of Warcraft at Blizzard Entertainment, Alex Averzibi, Averzabi, and they say that he was uh, permitted to engage in blatant sexual harassment with little to no repercussions. They continue to allege that during a company event that they called BlizzCon, he would hit on female employees, telling them he wanted to marry them, attempting to kiss them, putting his arms around them. This was in plain view of other male employees, including supervisors, who had to intervene to pull him off of female employees. He was known to engage in harassment of females, and his suite was nicknamed the Crosby Suite. They say Crosby. 
I think they mean Cosby. They say Crosby. I just saw that. They say C-R-O-S-B-Y, the Crosby suite, after alleged rapist Bill Crosby. I think they mean Bill Cosby, C-O-S-B-Y, the Cosby suite, after alleged rapist Bill Cosby. It's interesting to me that after everything that's gone down with Cosby lately, that that's still in here and spelled wrong, but okay. They say that he would call females derogatory names at company events, that his conduct was known to Blizzard's executives who took no effective remedial measures. It's a weird way to say it. I was like, took no effective remedial measures? What? They say that J. Allen Barack, president of Blizzard Entertainment, allegedly had multiple conversations with uh, Alex about his drinking and that he had been, quote, too friendly towards female employees at company events, but they gave him a slap on the wrist. They say, i.e. verbal counseling in response to the incident, and he continued to make unwanted advances at female employees, including grabbing a female employee's hand and inviting her to her hotel room and groping other women. Okay, also, trigger, this gets into more detail about the self-harm story that we talked about earlier. In a tragic example of the harassment that defendants allowed to fester in their offices, a female employee committed suicide while on a company trip due to a sexual relationship she had been having with her male supervisor. The male supervisor was found by police to have brought a butt plug and lubricant on a business trip. On that business trip, another employee confirmed that the deceased female employee may have been suffering from other sexual harassment at work prior to her death, specifically at a holiday party before her death. Male coworkers were alleged to be passing around a picture of her vagina. That's what's in this lawsuit. That's what was going on at the company Christmas party, as alleged by the state of California. It's not, it's just seriously, what the fuck is happening? And can you can can you imagine being in this workplace and how unsupported it would feel to know? that this was going on and to know that there was nowhere to turn other than to leave and other than to leave what leave the industry. This is the largest gaming employer in California. Women should be able, I mean, not just women, but this lawsuit focuses around sexual discrimination, but you should be able to pick an industry you want to work in free from discrimination. That's literally the point of the laws. And when you bring it to your employer, Something should happen. I realize that's idealistic, but it times have changed. This shit's not okay. How loudly do people have to say, this isn't okay? Just don't be an asshole. Don't harass people. Pay them equally. Treat them all with the same due respect. How hard is it to just treat people the same? Why is this so hard? Getting into retaliation and defendant's failure to prevent discrimination, harassment, and retaliation. An employee complained to Blizzard Entertainment President J. Allen Barack in early 2019 that employees were leaving due to sexual harassment and sexism. Specifically, this employee noted, I wonder if this employee was someone in HR, specifically, this employee noted that women on the battle.net team were subject to disparaging comments, the environment was akin to working in a frat house, and that women who were not, quote, huge gamers or, quote, poor gamers and not into the party scene were excluded and treated as outsiders. You shouldn't have to be into a party scene to uh, move up in your company and to do your job, right? Right. They say that female employees had raised further complaints to various human resources personnel about the discrimination they faced, including but not limited to complaints about unfair pay and assignments, male coworkers belittling them or minimizing their contributions, male counterparts being promoted quickly despite their lack of seniority. Similarly, female employees also complained of the harassment they suffered, including that male coworkers groped them, that male supervisors asked them on dates, and other unwanted harassment. No, don't ask your subordinates out. Just don't do that. Nope. Don't do that. That is the kind of end of their factual allegations. And then we get into the core of the cause of actions. The first, and I'm going to go over those more quickly because we kind of outlined what those were as they broke them down really well in the factual allegations. The first cause of action is employment discrimination based on sex with regard to compensation. That's the equal pay. And essentially summarizing that law as being 
discriminating against a person in compensation or terms, conditions, and privileges of employment based on their sex. That is what the law says under government code 12940. The second cause of action is employment discrimination because of sex with regard to promotions. Again, the same thing, discriminating against a person in compensation or terms, conditions, or privileges. So breaking it out into the different causes of action, one based on compensation, the next one based on promotion, the next one is based on termination, terminating people because of their gender. The next one is based on constructive discharge, which sounds disgusting. Any look, the word discharge and me don't always get along. It's like, it's like moist. We don't always get along. All right. There are sometimes there are just words that bother you more than other words. And it's not even contextual. It's just the word itself. For me, it's discharge is one of them. Anyway, constructive discharge, be it, be it a professional, Emily, get it together is where somebody's essentially run out of their job because of the environment and because of the discriminatory practices. It's as if they are being terminated, but they're not. They've opted out because of the employer's failings, because it's unlawful to discriminate against a person in compensation or terms, conditions, privileges of employment because of their sex. So this gets into why women were forced to leave the company. The next one is based on the harassment that it is unlawful for it is an unlawful employment practice for an employer or any other person to harass an employee an applicant an unpaid intern or volunteer or a person providing services pursuant to a contract because of that person's sex they then go on to say you know defendants female employees were routinely subject to unwanted sexual advances and other harassing conduct so severe or pervasive that it created a hostile work environment yeah yeah. Yep. Based on these allegations, sounds like sounds like those allegations definitely match this cause of action. I mean, is Activision going to say those things didn't happen? I mean, it's just after a two-year investigation, what their defense is is very interesting to me. I guess we'll see when they respond to this because we're going to be following it. The sixth cause of action is for retaliation, which is illegal. Like, you know, you go and make a complaint to HR because no one's adhering to your, I don't know, you know, work restrictions because of your pregnancy. And then you get retaliated against because of it, which means you come back from maternity leave and maybe have a different assignment, a less desirable role. You get demoted. You don't get promoted, things like that. Uh, It's illegal. You can't do that. You cannot, you cannot as an employer, you know, discharge, expel, or otherwise discriminate against any person because that person has opposed any practices Uh, forbidden under this part or because a person has filed a complaint, testified, or assisted in a proceeding under this part. The protected activities that they talk about or the practices forbidden under this part of the law are things like complaining to human resources, things like uh, speaking up. It can also cover things like testifying in court, administrative hearings, and things like that. The seventh cause of action, failure to prevent discrimination and harassment on behalf of the group um, arguing that the employers, quote, failed to take all reasonable steps necessary to prevent discrimination and harassment from occurring because, see, discrimination and harassment are illegal. And so as an employer, you have to have practices and policies in place and then enforce them to make sure that those things don't happen. Like there needs to be an HR process when you go to HR that shit happens other than, oh, we'll look into it. Maybe just that. The eighth cause of action is failure to prevent discrimination and harassment on behalf of DFEA. So this is not on behalf of the employees. This is a second allegation on behalf of the DFEA suing under a different subsection of the code with regard to the same causes of action. The ninth cause of action is for unequal pay um, under the labor code section, you know, 1197.5A1 which states that an employer shall not pay any of its employees at wage rates less than the rates paid to employees of the opposite sex for substantially similar work when viewed as a composite of skill, effort, and responsibility and performed under similar working conditions. And that's where when they break down the facts of this case, you see them breaking down the similar work and you see them talking about not just compensation, but compensation packages and then opportunities as well. The 10th cause of action is for 
uh, waiver of rights, forms, and procedures, and release of claims under various government code sections and labor code sections, getting into the fact that employment is um, essentially a hostile work environment, that it's discriminatory, et cetera, et cetera. Getting into the prayer for relief. This is the end of this lawsuit. They are asking for compensatory and punitive damages. Remember, punitive are the punishment ones, like give us more, not the trouble ones, not the trouble ones, but punitive. Hey, you suck. Pay more because you suck. Like pay enough that you might not do this again because it's too expensive, because that's one of the ways you can motivate companies to stop, um, you know, allowing allegedly this behavior to go on. They also sued for unpaid wages, liquidated damages, and other remedies and penalties available under the Equal Pay Act, injunctive relief, declaratory relief, equitable relief, including front pay, back pay, lost wages, benefits, base pay, prejudgment interest, attorney's fees, and costs, and other any other relief the court deems to be just and proper with a demand for jury trial. Because, you know, a demand for jury trial on a case like this makes a lot of sense because a jury's going to sit there and be like, what the fuck you can't do is all of this shit as alleged. Again, these are allegations. Um, they are allegations that the DFEH says are based on a two-year investigation into Activision Blizzard. And based on the articles that I've linked below, these allegations are not staggering and unsurprising in light of the gaming industry as a whole. And until the gaming employers and the game the gaming gatekeepers start changing what's going on there how are we to expect the online gaming environment to be safe for gamers as well because you know if you've well if you've played online multiplayer games you know exactly what the fuck i'm talking about so it just it just we have reached a point where hey just deal with it or suck it up is not the answer. Suck it up is not the answer to any of this. And so many of us internalize like, oh, I should be tougher. Oh, I shouldn't let it get to me. Oh, this shouldn't bother me. No, the other person shouldn't be fucking doing it. Not that you shouldn't be complaining to your employer about getting groped. Your coworker shouldn't grope you. So, you know, seeing lawsuits like this and talking about it, hopefully the those who have to deal with, with workplace environments that are hostile to them or are not supportive when that kind of behavior is reported, when they're not ousting the bad seed, when it is a pervasive, quote, frat boy culture, it's not on the person being harassed to suck it up. It's on the people harassing them to not, to not, to not. And that shouldn't be hard. We should be able to embrace a culture of, you know, not harassing people, maybe not saying shitty things to people online, maybe. I don't know how we unwind all of this, and I don't know how we get to that point, but at least in the employment context, this company might be charged enough money at the end of this, if these allegations are found true, to make a change within their company and to change their company culture and to continue to encourage other company cultures to change or smaller companies to spring up that are safe for females in the gaming space um, and other females in tech and science as well. You know, uh, there are lots of male-dominated industries still where women are subject to harassment at work. And, 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 and why is it so hard to just not, why is it so hard to just not harass people? I don't understand. And I don't have an answer other than the more we call it out and the more we don't tolerate it, I think the more it will continue to change. And that takes some generational changes of, no, it's not on me to suck it up. It's on you to not do the thing. And that's a big change that I think we're seeing come to the gaming industry. Thank you for hanging with me for this episode of The Emily Show. I would love to hear your thoughts on not only this episode and what's going on with the state of California. Were you surprised to see that this was brought by DFEH? Were you surprised to see this was the state going after it and not a group of employees suing? Have you been in a workplace where you've had to deal with that? In other lawsuits, we've talked about like the creepy shoulder rub when somebody walks by your chairs. Maybe after COVID, we can get back to like the hands to yourself workplace environment, unless you have that friendship with someone where it's okay to give a hug. But um, if you don't, if you don't, particularly after COVID, hands to yourself, back the fuck up. 
back up. Not everybody wants to be hugged. I'm a hugger, but I feel like after COVID now, there's maybe more of an awareness of being able to say, hey, I'm a hugger. Are you comfortable with that? Engaging someone else's comfort, not just being like, I want to go in for a hug. So clearly they're all for it because no, they may not be. So maybe, maybe between the pandemic, a new awareness and a societal shift towards, you know, listening to people when they tell you what they're experiencing maybe workplaces will start to shift and not be frat boy cesspools, perhaps. We can all hope. Let's hope together. I would love to know your thoughts. Let me know. Hit me up on social. You know where to find me, at the Emily D. Baker, all over social media. Yes, on the Facebook, on the Instagram, and on the Twitter. I appreciate you. Thank you for being here. Raise a glass. We're, this is just our outro now for The Emily Show. When we get it right. May your Wi-Fi be strong. May your families be well. May your toilet paper be plentiful. And may the odds be ever in your favor. And I feel like for this one, we need to add, and may you not be harassed in a Call of Duty waiting room or lobby or whatever. I don't know. My kid's really pissed off. They changed the gulag. Stuff is happening. I'm not a Call of Duty online gamer, but I stick to Animal Crossing and mobile games (laughs) and Zelda. I will talk to you soon. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a Lawnard. I appreciate you. <laughs>